Please join with me in the prayer for illumination. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and the word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. A lesson from the Old Testament, Jonah 3, 1 to 4, 5, the conversion of Nineveh. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he had a proclamation made in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, no human being or animal, no herd or flock, shall taste anything. They shall not feed, nor shall they drink water. Human beings and animals shall be covered with sackcloth, and they shall cry mightily to God. All shall turn from their evil ways and from the violence that is in their hands. Who knows? God may relent and change his mind. He may turn from his fierce anger so that we do not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. But this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, is this not what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. And now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? Then Jonah went out of the city and sat down east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade, waiting to see what would become of the city. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'd like to have a few minutes with the children. So if you're here in the sanctuary, come join me up here. And if you're worshiping from home, just get a little closer to your screens and we'll take a few minutes together <clears throat> talk about this wonderful story about Jonah. Come on up. Welcome, welcome. Look at everybody. Wow, what a big group we have today. I'm glad to see all of you. Come on up. Have a seat. Take a load off your feet. <laughs> Well, Miss Mary just read a really 
important story in the Bible about a man named Jonah. You may have heard the story of Jonah. If you go back uh, to sit with parents after this, maybe you can get the children's Bible in your pew and look and see if it's in there. Yeah, oh good, good for you. You were ahead of everybody. Well, one of the fun things about the story of Jonah is that it's got lots of animals in it. There's a part of the story where Jonah falls into the sea and a big fish comes and swallows him up, not to hurt him, but to help him and save him. And Jonah stays in the belly of the fish for three days and the fish keeps him safe. And then he spits him back up on the shore so that God can send Jonah to the people of Nineveh. And Jonah gives a message to the people of Nineveh. They had been behaving in ways that God didn't like. But they listened to Jonah, and they changed the way they were acting. And it even included all the animals. The people said all of the people and all of the animals are going to turn back to God. And there's something about this story that just reminds me that animals and plants are all part of our story, too. And that God wants us to take good care of animals and plants to remind us of God's good creation. And God's given us that responsibility. So at your house, maybe you can help water the plants. And if you take a minute to say a prayer and thank God for the plants, or if you have an animal and you want to help feed the animal and love and pet the animal, you can do that too. Or maybe you could put out a bird feeder and help feed some of God's birds. She has cow. You're going to milk cows? Oh my goodness, that sounds like so much fun. Well, let's thank God for cows and dogs and cats and trees and birds. Let's pray. We are. That's true. Gracious God, we thank you so much for all the animals. We thank you for plants and rivers and streams and stars and the sun and all of your amazing creation. Help us remember that we're part of your creation and you want us to help take care of it. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you all so much for all that you do to care for animals, plants, and each other. If three, four, and five-year-olds can go to Children's Church with Pastor Shannon and Pastor Maggie. The story of Jonah is one of those stories that translates well to children's stories. I remember when I was growing up in fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, I was part of the Asbury Choir at my church where I grew up. And usually in the summer, we would do some sort of musical. And the one I remember the best was about the story of the prodigal son. It was called Barbecue for Ben. We'll have a barbecue for Ben. Amen, amen, amen. Anybody ever do that one, barbecue for Ben? No, crickets. Well, we also did one about Jonah. And I remember the song, Hey, old Jonah, you should have obeyed the Lord. Anybody know this one? Hey, old Jonah, you can't run away from the Lord. And we loved it as kids. It was a wonderful story. There's a big fish that swallows Jonah. There are animals and all of these things that I was sharing with the children. And yet, Jonah's a tough story as well. 
The second half of the story, the ending of the story, is not really a happy one. It leaves us hanging a bit. In case you haven't read the story of Jonah, or you didn't sing it in the fifth grade, or it's been a while since you've heard the story, let me walk us through really quickly. It's a short story, a quick read. It starts off with God calling Jonah to go and preach to the city of Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was not part of Israel. It was not a a Hebrew city. In fact, Nineveh was often seen as the enemy. Some of the other prophets speak um, angry words, words of judgment about Nineveh, and even one prophet rejoices when Nineveh is destroyed, but, but not in Jonah. God wants to send Jonah to Nineveh. Jonah does not want to go. We don't find out why till the end. We'll get there. But instead of doing what God says, God, uh, Jonah takes a ship going in the opposite direction. So God creates a storm on the sea. Jonah says to the sailors, it's my fault. Throw me overboard and the storms will end. And to the sailors' credit, they don't want to do that at first. But eventually they do. And that's when the big fish comes and swallows Jonah and keeps him safe for three days and then spits him back up on the shore, and we pick up where Mary started the reading. The word of the Lord came a second time to Jonah. (laughs) Let's start this over. Act 2. Go to Nineveh, says God, and tell the people what I tell you to say. So Jonah goes this time, wisely. What's interesting, another interesting thing about the book of Jonah, as opposed to the other prophets... Most of the other prophets in the Old Testament, what we get are their words. We get pages and pages of their oracles and their words, the word of the Lord. But not in Jonah. In the book of Jonah, it's really a story about the prophet. We only get one sentence of prophecy. Forty more days and the city of Nineveh will be overturned. That's it. And I almost picture Jonah saying, 40 more days and the city of Nineveh will be overturned. Hoping the people wouldn't hear him, but they did. The whole city repents. They turn back to God. In some ways, the city is overturned. It's overturned in repentance, turning back to God from the king all the way to the cows. The the king declares a fast, including all of the animals. He clothes himself in sackcloth and ashes and prays that God would relent from punishing And God does. And it would be wonderful if that was where the story ended. That would be the perfect children's story. But it doesn't end there. Because Jonah is angry. Jonah is resentful. Jonah is upset that the word of the Lord that he proclaimed to the Ninevites actually turned their hearts around. And so he walks outside the city gates, and he sits down, and he pouts. And he watches the city to see what God will do. God comes out to find Jonah and says, Is it right for you to be angry? Are you angry that I would show mercy to these people? And Jonah says, and I love the way Mary read it for us. It was so well done. Jonah says, See? This is why I didn't want to obey your command to come to Nineveh. I knew you to be a merciful God, abounding in steadfast love, slow to anger. I knew your merciful nature, God, and I didn't want you to show mercy to those people. 
And so God leaves the question open. Is it right for you to be angry? Don't you think you might have compassion on the people as I do? As we've been going through the Bible, I've talked about different themes that we'll come across again and again. And this is one of those themes that we see repeatedly in the scriptures. That there are times when we as human beings don't want God to be as merciful as God seems to be. I think about the ministry of Jesus and how the Pharisees and scribes would whisper behind their backs. He hangs out with tax collectors and sinners. Look, he's eating with prostitutes and sinners. They didn't want Jesus to to show kindness and mercy to those people. We see it in the early church when the Holy Spirit was being poured out on Gentiles, not just Jewish Christians. And there were some coming from the Jewish tradition who thought, this isn't right. We, we, we need to make these Gentiles follow our rules. Why would God show them mercy as well? And we see it most clearly, I think, in one of Jesus' parables. Barbecue for Ben. The parable of the prodigal son. There was a man who had two sons, and the younger one asked his father for his inheritance, and he leaves home, and he goes, and he spends it all in profligate living, while the older brother stays home and works hard for his father. And then the day comes when that younger brother comes home. He turns around. He repents. And his father runs out to meet him and throws a robe on him and his arms around him. He greets him with steadfast love and overwhelming mercy. And the older brother is angry. And he stands outside on the porch while the barbecue for Ben is going on in the house. And just as God came out to talk to Jonah, to see if Jonah might warm his heart to the people of Nineveh, the father goes out to the older brother to see if he might warm his heart to his younger brother. Your brother was dead and is alive again. Can you not rejoice with me? And in both stories, the ending is left open. The father, or God in the story of Jonah, issues the invitation and leaves the door open. But we don't know how Jonah responds, and we don't know how the older brother responds. So I read the story of Jonah and the parable of the prodigal son, and all of these other examples in the scriptures. And I have to ask myself, who are my Ninevites? Did you hear what Jonah said? He said to God, basically, kill me now. I would rather die than live. And if I fill in that blank, I hear, I would rather die than live in a world with forgiven Ninevites. Who are my Ninevites? Is there someone or some group or some people that I feel like I don't want God to show mercy to, that I'd much rather sit back on the edge with my bowl of popcorn and watch God judge them and smite them? And yet we have a God revealed in Scripture, Old and New Testament, who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and mercy. 
I don't know if any of you know Andrew Callis. He's on our staff and does administrative work in the areas of worship and some other areas. And bless his heart, I send him an email on Tuesday with my sermon title, which is the one that's printed in the bulletin. And then on Thursday, I emailed him and said, wait, I want to change the sermon title to The Pouting Prophet. It was so catchy and funny. And I think of Jonah sitting out there pouting. But then by the end of the day on Thursday, after more prayer and thought, I realized, no, I want to go back to this original sermon title. Because I don't want this sermon to focus on our limitations as humans on the many ways that we want to draw limits on God's grace. What I want to lift up and celebrate is the steadfast, unbounding mercy and love of God that we don't get to manage, that we are not the gatekeepers of. And to hear this invitation of a loving God whose mercy and love is beyond measure, that changes the economy of our lives, that changes the household we live in. And to invite us all to be drawn into that mercy, to recognize that it is for you and it is for me. There's no end to God's love and mercy for you and me. And the invitation is to join God in the joyful work of sharing that good news with everybody and to be part of the world that God is building because God loves Nineveh unconditionally.